Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? Awesome. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you that do not know me, I want to welcome everybody that is watching us right now online on YouTube and is going to listen to our podcast this week. Hey, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. Hey, we are in a brand new series today called Above All Else. And it is a very timely series. We are just in the midst of a lot of tension going on. And it seems that emotions and tensions get ramped up during an election year. Come on, right? An election month coming up. And, and it's just, politics, politics does a great job of dividing people. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, type something about any candidate you want on your social media page and just say all good things about them, okay? Wait 15 seconds, okay? Do you know what I'm saying? It's just it's like people, man, politics just does a great job of, of dividing us. And as the church, we need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on our king. Listen, we don't worship a president. Come on, somebody. We don't worship a president. We don't worship someone who lives in the White House. We worship a king. We worship a God who holds the whole earth in his hands. And so we just have this tendency to swing emotionally. We're going to talk about that today. And I want us to be grounded. I want us to be focused, no matter what happens in November 4th. Now listen, as Christians, we need to do our role and vote. We live in the greatest country in the world. We do. We, that, that gives us the freedom to vote. And as Christians, we need to vote. We need to vote on policies and not personalities. We need to vote on scripture and how it aligns with us. And as Coloradoans, listen, we need to vote on those amendments, okay? And you need to do research on those because they can be tricky, okay? And so, you know, vote. Absolutely. Do your part as Christians, as someone who's led by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely do that. It is our right as Americans. And, and so I want to encourage you to do that as your pastor. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are Christians First, we are seeking eternal kingdom, not a temporary one, okay? And so over the next several weeks, I want to get our focus on God. I want to get our focus on Jesus because no matter what happens, God is in control of our lives. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us through no matter what happens. Amen? Awesome. Come on, let's, let's pray and we'll jump right into it today. Father, we just thank you for this moment, God. I thank you for this moment. Everybody that's watching us online, everybody that's here today, it is not by mistake that we're here today, God. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd open our hearts, open our minds to the understanding of your eternal word today, God. Father, I just pray that we would just draw a little bit closer to you today, Father. God, just speak through me today. Don't let it be my words. Let it be yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. We have a launching passage today. You saw it in the video. It's Matthew 6, 33. But I want to give you the whole context, okay? I want to give you the whole context of what Jesus is talking about here. So let's turn to Matthew 6, 30, 32. And if God cares, and this is Jesus, Jesus says this, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers, okay, 
that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Good question, right? Jesus is speaking to the cares of our lives, and he's saying, listen, God will take care of weeds, basically weed flowers, okay, that nobody cares about except my kids. They like to pick them and give them to my wife, okay? He's, Jesus is saying, look, nobody cares about these weed flowers, yet your Father in heaven does. If he cares about weed flowers, he certainly cares about your life. And so why are you letting the cares of this life, the worries of this life, affect your faith? Then he continues and he says this, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Let's continue. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and we're going to get to that today, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Worry, Jesus is explaining to us that worry can dominate your life. Worry is a great adversary to our faith, to our attempts of putting God first in our lives, seeking the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, worry. man, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, Jesus says you have no shot of getting away from worry. He says worry dominates the unbeliever. When I think about dominate, I think of sports. I, th I think of a, a sports contest, and you can think whatever sports contest you want. In football, I think about somebody getting beat 73 to nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like they completely dominated them. Offensively, defensively, coaching, they completely got dominated. If you're thinking about basketball, 92 to 20, okay? If you're thinking about soccer, 10 to nothing, all right? You just think about a team that completely dominates another team. Offensively, defensively, coaching, they just completely dominate. This is what Jesus is saying of the devil. He's saying he will completely dominate your life with worry if you don't have Jesus. If God isn't the focus of your life, worry will dominate us. And there's a lot to be worried about, right? There's a lot to be worried about in our culture today. If I were to tell you last year, if I were to tell you last year at this time and gave you a multiple choice question, okay? And I said this, this place is going to outlaw singing in churches. Here's your choices. China, Cuba, Russia, or California. Which one would you pick, right? Like, no way, California. Come on, that couldn't happen in America. Well, it just did. And what's happening in California should concern every single Christian in this country. They should be concerned. We shouldn't worry about it, but we should be concerned. Proverbs says this, 1225, worry weighs a person 
down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Worry is a weight that weighs us down. Of course, I got an illustration. These are, these are ankle weights, okay? When we worry, okay, when we get up in the morning and the first thing we do is worry about our day, come on. The first thing we do is we turn on the news and we begin to worry, okay? We should just call the news a worry, the worry program. Spiritually speaking, okay, this is what it looks like when we start our day off with worry and continue throughout our day in worry. We're literally walking around with spiritual ankle weights and a, and a weight vest on. Now, in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit, you just slow me down a little bit, right? The longer you wear this weight, the longer it's tied to us spiritually, it begins to wear us down. Worry is a weight. It is a weight that slows us down from seeking the kingdom of God First, above all else, above being Republican, above being Democrat, above being independent, we are Christians first. And what Jesus says is worry is a great adversary for us seeking the kingdom of God because it weighs us down. Sober Nation, which is a secular website, said this. Top, they give the top four things that people do when worried. Okay, the top four things that people do when they're worried. Number one, the first thing that they do is they go to a substance abuse. The first thing when, when people get worried, when you don't have Jesus, you do what? You go to another substance. And we saw this proven, right, early in the pandemic, right here in Colorado. They, they wanted to shut down the weed shops and close the, the liquor stores. And people lost their minds. They lost their minds. Like, like, you wanted to talk about a riot, talking about burning the city down. Don't take people's alcohol or weed. Yet, the church was deemed non-essential. Guys, we, we're in a war. Whether you realize it today or not, we are in a war for our religious liberties and our right to worship God freely. And worry is one of these things that can get us off course. Worry is one of these things that can weigh us down and lose our focus on the big picture of seeking the kingdom of God. Sober Nation says, man, people go to substances. They, 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 man, they try to disconnect. They escape into a substance other than where they should go which is God. Number two, the second thing that happens when we let worry weigh us down, automatic negative thoughts. What I like to call is worst case scenario syndrome. That's what I like to call it. We, we just get into this worst case scenario syndrome. And many of you have worried about if your candidate doesn't win the presidency, what our country's going to look like. And you've gone way away 
right? You've caught yourself even digging, you know, digging a tunnel in your backyard, right? Like doomsday preppers time. You know what I mean? Like you're, we get automatic negative thoughts. When, when we let worry dominate our lives and weigh us down, we get into this cycle where we just start, man, something happens and immediately it's worst case scenario. My husband hasn't called me back. He hasn't texted me back. In 10 minutes, he's probably driven off a cliff. His car's on fire. My, my child hasn't texted me back. In four minutes, someone's probably kidnapped them. Right? Like we just get into this cycle and, and we just create all of these movies, these negative movies in our head. And what it ends up happening, it weighs us down when worry is dominating our lives. We go to a different, we go to a different substance, we have these automatic negative thoughts. Number three, we, we end up having mood disorders that can turn into depression. We get really emotional, right? We get really emotional. And listen, on November 3rd or November 4th, you're going to get really emotional depending on who you're voting for. And if your candidate wins, you're just going to go really, you're going to be really high, right? You're just going to be really, really excited. But if your candidate loses, you're just going to, you're going to swing really low, like end of the world type stuff. What I want to encourage you today, man, let, let God be the center of your life. Let, let man, above all else, we are Christians. I remember we were in Washington, D.C. We were in Washington, D.C., uh, I believe during the second term of Obama winning, and it was about a month later, or a couple months later, and uh, we did a lot of uh, street ministry during that time, and uh, helping a lot of soup kitchen, kitchens. We were just on the street talking to people, and I remember talking to this, this uh, middle-aged gentleman, and he's like, I just don't understand it. I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, Obama has been president for two months, and I don't have a job yet. I said, well, what do you mean? Well, he said that he was going to bring change, and I haven't had a job in a while, and I thought that he was going to get me a job. I'm like, he's not writing your resume. Do you know what I mean? I think we just have these delusions in our mind what a president is supposed to do and not do for our lives. He is not our savior. And so if we let worry, and we, we gotta, we got to stay away from the emotional swings, okay? we got to stay away from the emotional swings because it can very easily turn into depression. It can very easily turn into depression. All right, number four, number four. The fourth thing that worry can do is bring nightmares. It can affect our sleep which just creates this whole cycle in itself, right? If you're not sleeping and you're already worried and you're already anxious and you're already stressed out and you're not sleeping, it just creates a whole cycle of where you just stay in this place of worry and panic. 
when Peter, when the Holy Spirit came to that upper room, right, and Peter's now filled with the Holy Spirit, he quotes the prophet Joel, and he says, what? He says, man, our young men will begin to, to see visions, and our old men will begin to dream dreams. Come on, God wants to give us good dreams. He wants us to have a good night's sleep. When the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit came, he came as a comforter, a prince of peace, to give us comfort and peace and rest. Worry comes and brings nightmares in our thoughts and tries to disrupt our, our sleep, and that's not God's best for our lives. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to give us good dreams. The Holy Spirit comes and brings us comfort and peace. I'm going to take the weight of worry off, okay? Because it's, it's heavy. Because we're going to get into three things that we can do that counter. Woo, I feel light now. That's what happens when we get rid of worry, right? When we start wor stop worrying about what's going to happen, man, and we just say, no matter what happens, I'm going to seek God first. No matter what happens to the economy or who wins the president or what happens to the Senate or what happens with my job, man, I'm going to seek God first because I want to feel light. I don't want to carry around the weight of worry. So i got three things today that will help us put God above all else and not allow worry to dominate us. Not allow worry to dominate us. Number one is we pray. And some of you are like, Pastor, that's such a Christian canned answer. That's such a, that's such a Christian answer, right? Pastor, I pray and God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers. It's probably because you have the wrong perspective of prayer. Many Christians have the wrong perspective of prayer. They think, man, I, I need to go to God and try to convince him to answer my prayers. I need to get God to align with my agenda. Right? And, and we, we think of God as some type of cosmic genie in a bottle or, or some type of giant vending machine as prayers are quarters, and then we just pick what we want. That is not what prayer is. Prayer is actually us aligning with God's will. It's us aligning ourselves with what God has for our lives. Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't Worry about anything except for who's going to be president. No, it doesn't say that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And so what I find is so interesting, Jesus says, God already knows what you need. And Paul says, tell him what you need. Why, why is Paul saying that? 
listen, Jesus is saying God knows your needs, but he still wants to hear your needs. Because we're in a relationship with a heavenly father that loves us. He wants to have dialogue with us. He wants to talk to his children. And so, yes, he knows all of our needs. He knows exactly what we need. But he wants us to tell him, to have a conversation with him. Because it's about activating us spiritually in the spiritual relationship that we have with God. I'm going to preach on this later in this, this series, but I just, I just want to say it. When God is talking to Abraham, okay, and, and Abraham is, and God's like, I'm, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to destroy the whole city because it's completely wicked, right? And Abraham's like, well, if I find 100, right? And God's like, okay, go. It's not that Abraham was trying to change the, the heart of God. Listen, God's heart is to save everybody. We, John 3, 16, like nobody, he doesn't want anybody to perish. And what he's doing with Abraham here is he's trying to get him engaged in culture. He's trying to get him engaged in this city. He's trying to get him to care about people. Do we care about people? Do, do we care about the lost and the broken? I think what's been proven during this pandemic and all this stuff that's going on, that people are broken and hurting and lost. Like that's been proven. Are we going to pray? Are we going to have loving conversations with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our family? Do we care? And it starts with having an open dialogue with God because he wants to talk to us. He wants to share his thoughts with us and vision and purpose and future with our lives. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Jesus' disciples, they actually asked Jesus, hey, how should we pray? Good question, right? How should we pray? And I, I want to I do something here today. I want us all to read this prayer together this morning, okay? Let, let's read it together. All right, we'll start with our. Here we go. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed by your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, let's clap. Come on, this is it, right? And Jesus is saying, man, God's going to provide all of your needs every single day. He's going to give us the, the daily bread. But we need to align our will with God's will. You see, God has a purpose and a plan. We just talked about it, reason to run. He's got a plan for our lives in heaven that he, that he wants us to fulfill on earth. Forgive Forgive us of our sins. Repentance is part of that. We should be repenting of our sins daily. We should be forgiving people daily who hurt us because people hurt us daily, right? Like it, we, this is what Jesus is saying, man. Let things go. When people offend you, when people hurt you, the quicker you let go, the quicker he can move us on. 
What an amazing gift Jesus gives us. He actually shows us how to pray. Prayer is not about God aligning with our will or our plans, but it's us, us aligning with his will and his plan that he has for our lives. The second thing, the second thing that we can do to, to keep our focus on above all else and not let worry dominate us is we stay thankful. We stay thankful. Philippians 4, 6. The second half says what? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. My, my pastor says this, Pastor Herbert Cooper, he says this. He says, worry starts when thankfulness ends. Worry starts when thankfulness ends. The moment we stop being thankful is when worry rushes into our hearts and our minds. Maybe you're saying today, Pastor, what, what can I be thankful for? Well, be thankful that you're breathing. Be thankful that you're in God's house today. Be thankful. <coughs> be thankful that you're watching online today. That you, we have technology to do that. Be thankful that you live in America. Be thankful that you live in Colorado. Be thankful if you have a job, that you have a job. Be thankful if you're married, that you are married. Be thankful if you have kids, you've got kids. Be thankful. Because the moment thankfulness ends is the moment worry kicks into our lives. Pastor, what else can I be thankful for? Be thankful that God's mercies begin every single morning. Be thankful that God doesn't remember our sins any longer the moment we repent. Be thankful that God sent his son Jesus while we were still sinners to die on a cross for our sins. Be thankful that God has gone before us and has prepared eternity for our lives. Be thankful that God is Jehovah Jireh, that he will provide all of our needs. Be thankful that God cares about weed flowers, and he cares even more about you. See, the moment we stop being thankful in our lives is the moment worry rushes in. We, we can get into that. Worst case scenario, we get in those negative thoughts and we begin to complain. Listen, many times when we're complaining, we're essentially telling God, God, you're not doing a very good job with my life. The moment we begin to complain and we just get into these cycle of negative thoughts, the moment we stop being thankful for all that God has done is the moment worry sets into our hearts and our minds. We begin to forget all of the promises and the plans that God has created for our lives. The moment thankful, the moment we stop being thankful for what God has done in our lives is the moment worry rushes in. Number three, number three. We live righteously. We live righteously. Righteously is <clears throat> such a Christian word, right? 
or a surfer's word. Righteous dude, you know what I mean? Keanu Reeves, you know what I mean? Like, what? I mean, what is righteousness? Like, oh, we live righteously. Well, the first thing that we need to understand about righteousness is that none of us are it by ourselves. Romans 3.10 says this. There is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody qualifies for righteousness, okay? Not anybody. The Apostle Paul tells us very clear, we cannot become righteous on our own. That means we can't become righteous on doing a bunch of stuff, a bunch of good stuff, good things. We can't become righteous on our own. The only way we become righteous is when we receive Jesus Christ into our life. We allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. We allow the Holy Spirit to begin to guide and lead our lives. You can't get to righteousness. You need to understand that today. You can't get to righteousness by works, by doing good things. Proverbs 1, or Philippians 1, 10 through 11. I love this. Paul says this. For I want you to understand what really matters. Come on, say with me today, really matters. And so if he's saying, like, this really matters, this probably really matters. Right? Like, if he's saying, like, hey, look, 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 look. This is, I need you to understand that this is what really matters. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Your salvation should look like something. Man, God saved us by grace. And it was not free. He paid it with his life. And so because he saved us, our lives should look like something. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So I want to end this today. I want to end with this point today. Living righteously, because I want us to understand righteousness. Living righteously is allowing the Holy Spirit to develop and mature these four areas of our life. Number one, to mature our character. What does it mean to allow the Holy Spirit to mature our character? It means when nobody is looking, how are you acting? When you're all by yourself, what are the decisions that you are you are making. Many times God doesn't answer our prayers because our character hasn't been fully developed to handle the blessing that he wants to give us. For some of us, I know me, if God was to bless me with a church five years previously that we, we started, to, started this church, probably would have lost the church because my character hadn't been developed yet to handle the the promises and the purpose that God had for my life. Being righteous is allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to develop our character. What are we doing when no one is watching? Number two, attitude. How is your tude? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to develop and mature our attitude. Because people are watching. Our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, 
They're watching how we react to things. How is our attitude on Monday morning when we walk into the office or we log into Zoom? Are we allowing God to develop and mature our attitude? Number three, number three, actions. Faith is an action. Jesus says, what, what is wrong with your faith? Why is your faith so small? God cares about everything, so he certainly cares about his masterpiece, the one thing that is created in his image. He certainly cares about you. So why don't your actions display how much God cares about you? How come your faith level is so low when you know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? How are we acting? We shouldn't be acting like the world is acting. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to develop and mature our actions? And last one, our words. What is coming out of our mouth? What are the words that we're saying? Because that passage that I started off with, worry is a weight. Our words are an encouraging light. Our words lift, our words can lift the weight of worry. How are we speaking to our spouses? How are we talking to our kids? How are we talking to our coworkers? Our friends. Like, what are the words coming out of our mouth? Would, would people be able to recognize that we are Christians above all else by the words that are coming out of our mouth? Would people be able to recognize that we are Christians above all else by our character, attitude, actions, and words? And listen to me, listen to me. Nobody is nailing all four of those in this room today, including your pastor. Because this is what it takes. It takes constant and consistent humility and repentance every single day to say, okay, God, I'm not righteous. And I can't get there on my own. But I need you today. I need you today to take my worry, to take all of my concerns, because I know it's affecting my physical health. I need you to mature and develop the way I think, the way I talk, and the way I act. And this is a constant journey with Jesus. Come on, let's remember today and this week, above all else, we are Christians. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as we respond to God today. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus, and man, I, I need to make that decision today. I need to make that decision to, to follow him. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth, and you, you've drifted off the path, and, and you've just been consumed by the worry and concerns of this life, and you just... Maybe you've just been consumed into substance abuses and, and all types of things, but today's the day, and that's what's so amazing about the grace of God. The moment you say yes is the moment you're back on track. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, just slip up a hand. I, I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything embarrassing. Yes. 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 You can put your hands down. And I would just ask this morning that we all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you 
for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing. Thank you so much for staying connected to Passionate Life Church. If you'd like more information, you can email us at passionatelifechurch at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, or share this with a friend. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.